Greetings, humans. Welcome to another thrilling episode of Pop Cultish, the podcast that has seen Wolverine's latest flea and tick report from the veterinarian, and it is not pretty. I am Tony Schaub, here with you today. I'm giving my wife, Emily, the day off, so this is me flying solo for this show. And today we're just going to kind of dive into it. Uh, I know it's October, the beginning of October, and we're going to have some great shows coming up here about uh, everything wonderful about the Halloween season. Uh, Next week we're going to have some awesome live reports from some of the best local haunts here in town, some of the... um, Haunted houses, the scary attractions. We're going to talk with some guests at the haunted houses and talk about their favorite scary movies, monsters, all that fun stuff. So we're going to celebrate October for all it's worth coming up. But today, before we jump into the scary stuff in the podcasts coming in the future week, today we're going to talk about uh, something that's near and dear to my heart, and that, of course, is board games. I, I'm a huge board game fan. Board games, card games, party games, um, you know, tactical games. Um, not so heavy into the Dungeons and Dragons, like uh, deep playing for hours on end type of type of games. Uh, I'm not opposed to them. I can definitely throw down with them, uh, you know, if the, if the time is right. But uh, I tend to gravitate more towards the more social aspect of the games. We're talking, you know, your games that you can play in a party time a- a- atmosphere, not necessarily like a taboo or uh, categories, although there's nothing wrong with those, of course, but I am a big fan of um, the more social, the more uh, board games that are kind of accessible to all people. Things like your, you know, you've got your Settlers of Catan that's, you know, big and everybody kind of knows about that these days, you know, Games along those lines. So we're going to talk about a few of my favorites uh, that I have going on. I'm, I'm here in my office and I'm taking a taking a long look at my uh, wall of wonder here that houses all of my bookshelves with the graphic novels and Blu-rays and all that good stuff. Um, tons of board games over there. Tons of these kind of uh, kind of gaming type stuff. So I'm gonna gonna take some time to chat with you about them and we'll just jive right in and talk about a few of the all-time greats. I'm trying to remember the first real non-board game game that I owned. And looking over here, I believe that the first one that kind of opened me into the bigger world of kind of getting into these games and owning them myself, my my gateway game, as it were, is probably a game called Small World. Now, this is a fun, fun game. It's um, a board game, so uh, it is... If you want a quick and dirty review of it, it's sort of like a uh, fantasy sci-fi version of Risk. Uh, The premise of the board game, Small World, is that there is a board that uh, houses the world that all the players are playing on. And the board grows or shrinks depending upon how many players you have. That's one of the cool features. So if there's two players, you have a smaller board. If there's three, four, five players, you have an increasingly bigger board to play on. But the premise, as you might have imagined from the name Small World, is that the world is, quite frankly, too small. There's not enough space for all the players. So it kind of forces you into interacting with your other players. And normally that interaction comes in the form of conquering them to take their lands. So with Small World, there are a slew of races... And then with the races, there are also a slew of special powers. So when the game begins, you randomly mix and match the races and special powers together. So every game is different. There's a high level of replayability in terms of what combination 
you might be able to get. So you might be starting off with, you know, flying humans, where, you know, flying is the designated category, and flying normally means that you can go to any spot on the map, not just moving sequentially, which you'd normally have to do. And then, of course, humans is a pretty basic uh, race. You know, each race has a different special power. There's uh, orcs and goblins and mountain trolls and wizards and, you know, a, a lot of those uh, typical sci-fi slash fantasy type of type of folks. So, so really, the object of Small World is to conquer lands. Every land you conquer gets you uh, victory points. And then, of course, at the end of the game, a predetermined amount of rounds, the person with the most victory points wins. The cool thing about victory points and the winning conditions is that there are other ways to win victory points as well. Certain races and certain abilities let you score extra victory points if you do certain things or occupy certain kinds of territories. And then there are, um, uh, there is rather another dynamic that if your race, as they've been out there living their lives, attacking, trying to defend their lands, things like that, you start with a certain amount of race tokens, your people that can be on the board. And most races don't let you get new tokens. A, a few do, but most do not. So when your race starts to get depleted, there's not much you can do with that race anymore. So there comes a time when the player has to decide if you're going to stay with that race and continue to try to build what they have established, or if you're going to put that civilization, that race, into decline, which means you can't play with them anymore. They'll still score points for you as long as they're on the board, but then your next turn you get to pick a brand new race from the race-slash-power combinations, and then you get to start conquering anew. So um, there are advantages and disadvantages, obviously, to getting new races or sticking with your existing race. Like I said, the game has a high level of replayability, which to me makes it uh, a lot of fun because you can play it many different times with many different people and really kind of get into the game and never have the same game twice. As with most good board games, or games that have been out for a while anyways, there are expansions. Um, I have a certain uh, mini-expansion called uh, Heroes and Legends that's actually not... Most expansions will give you extra races and extra powers and things like that. The Heroes and Legends expansion actually gives you a deck of cards, and each card has a different kind of uh, game event on it. So every turn you're supposed to pull the event, and some of them are forcing you to do something on your next turn... Some of them will give you extra victory coins if you do something on your next turn. Um, some will let you auction off a certain thing, you know, if you want to spend a certain amount of victory coins. So, uh, very intriguing game, Small World. Feel free to check it out. It's made by Days of Wonder, and you can get it uh, probably at your local gaming shop, on online, at Amazon, or anything like that. So, um, Small World is, is very cool. It also exists for those of you who like the mobile stuff. It also does exist as a mobile app in the Android store, the iOS store, and on Steam as well. For some reason, on the mobile apps, it's called Small World 2. I'm not sure there ever officially was a Small World 1. Uh, it's kind of a head-scratcher to me. I don't know the story behind that because the board game itself is just called Small World, but the app is called Small World 2 but they are identical in their gameplay and their content. So, so that's Small World. Feel free to check it out. What else can I give you? I'm going to try to go through some quick hits because i got a ton of cool games over here. Uh, one that was recently kickstarted earlier this year and became the most funded game in Kickstarter history and 
possibly, I forget, one of the biggest Kickstarters of all time. I mean, we're talking like $12 million. This thing just exploded, which is uh, kind of a pun because the game is called Exploding Kittens. That's right, it is a game called Exploding Kittens. It's made by the folks behind uh, The Oatmeal. If you go to theoatmeal.com and look at their goofy little uh, cartoons and stuff like that, you'll get an idea of the kind of irreverent vibe that this game is going for. But uh, Exploding Kittens at its core is kind of a game of war. If you remember playing war with, uh, you know, an old deck of cards and trying to be the last man standing and things like that, that's essentially what Exploding Kittens is. Uh, the goal is to be the last person standing. In the deck, no matter how many people you play with, two, three, four, five, if you get multiple decks, you can play eight people, 12 people, things like that. There will be enough exploding kittens to explode every player except one. And your goal throughout the game is to not have a kitten explode on you. Sounds simple enough, I know, but uh, uh, it's a card-based game. There's no board. It's all done with cards. And the way you can avoid kittens exploding on you, uh, there are a variety of ways. There's the standard diffuse card, which if you draw an exploding kitten, you can diffuse it, and then it will not explode on you. And you get to put that kitten back in the deck. That way someone else might get it, or it might come your way later. You never really know. And there are many, many other types of cards that let you try to avoid getting a kitten. The key dynamic in this game is that you are drawing your card at the end of your turn. You can play as many cards as you want during your turn, and your turn concludes by drawing a card from the top of the deck. That's where the exploding kittens come from. You'll never start with a kitten that explodes in your hand. So there are other cards in your hand that might help you avoid drawing a kitten. Cards like see the future that lets you see the next three cards in the deck so that way you can tell if you're going to get a kitten or your neighbor's going to get a kitten there's a shuffle card that just lets you shuffle things up there is a attack card that will let you skip your turn and let the next player take two turns which means they have to draw twice so there's a lot of different things you can do and it's a very intriguing game it sounds pretty basic but there's actually a lot of strategy involved and, of course, it's just fun to look at the cards. Every card is a different goofy cat. There's Taco Cat. There's Mama Cat with all the um, babies uh, leeching off her and, you know, doing all that stuff. There's uh, Schrodinger's Cat. So um, it's a very intriguing game, Exploding Kittens. I, uh, I highly recommend you can check it out. Again, you can probably find it at your local gaming shop. It is now released wide, even though it was Kickstarter earlier this year. It should be in all the stores. So your local shop, Amazon, online, all that fun stuff, check out Exploding Kittens. I have recently been enjoying uh, games with a different dynamic, and that would be the dice-based dynamic. I know there's a lot of dice games out there that are kind of hot right now with the Marvel, with the, uh, with the Dice Masters and things like that. But one that I've been enjoying that I got super cheap, I bought it for 10 bucks at my local, uh, actually at a game and comic shop in Fort Wayne. I got it for 10 bucks, and I think you can get it for about that price at most game shops or online. Uh, this one is called Age of War, and this one is very basic, kind of, kind of simple. It plays within... It's not going to take you more than 10 to 12 minutes to play, so it's an easy starter game or an in-between game if you've got a game night going and you just finished a you know a, a knockdown, drag-out, two-hour version of a, a different game and you need something to kind of uh, cleanse the palate a little bit. Uh, Age of War is a very fun one. The 
premise of the game is that you are um, a daimyo, or a, a samurai, in feudal Japan, and your job is to conquer castles and unite clans under your banner. And how you do that, there are um, different cards. The game is played with about 15 cards that all start the game face up in the middle of the table, and then there are seven dice. And on the dice, there are uh, different symbols. There's the daimyo symbol, so there's a samurai face. There's an archery, uh, a bow and arrow, an archer symbol. There's a horseman symbol uh, of a warrior on a horse. And then there are symbols of swords, either one sword, two swords, or three swords. So each castle can be conquered by rolling dice in a certain combination of getting the battle lines that are depicted on that castle. So like one castle, one battle line is two archers, and then another battle line is seven swords. So if in one roll you get a total of seven or more swords, you can put those dice on that battle line, and then the remaining dice you re-roll and attempt to get those two, uh, whatever I said, archers or something like that, you attempt to fill all the battle lines before all your dice are gone. And if you do fill all the battle lines, then you conquer that castle. You put it in front of you. And if you don't, of course, the castle stays unclaimed, and then it's the next person's turn. So every roll, you want to try to conquer one battle line. If you roll dice and you don't conquer a battle line, you have to lose one of your remaining dice. So it gets progressively harder. And the castles are grouped by colors. So if you conquer all the castles of a certain color... You can turn those castles over, and there are bonus points on the back of the castle. The castles are um, points that when all the castles are conquered at the end of the game, you count up the victory points, and whoever has the most victory points wins. So if you conquer all the castles of a certain color, you can turn them upside down, and you get bonus coins, and most importantly, no one can steal those castles from you. That is another element in play. So if I had conquered one of the yellow castles and my opponent has a yellow castle, and I want that yellow castle to complete my set, I can actually attack his castle by trying to conquer his battle lines. When you attack a castle, you have to fill all the battle lines and one extra daimyo, one extra samurai symbol, on that castle. So it becomes even even more difficult. But if you do it, you can steal. So it's an inter interesting dynamic of whether you want to go for the castles that are remaining, if you want to try to get extra points by taking something away from your opponent, and that of course loses them points in return. Um, for such a simple game that is consisting of just a handful of cards and a handful of dice, it actually is highly entertaining. And I will say it is it is an all-ages game. I believe the box says that it's, um, you know, eight and up. But just last night I was playing it with my five-year-old. My five-year-old uh, Amelia, my daughter, is she's just thrilled with games. She loves to play games. And she's always looking for new games that she can learn. And I tell you what, after about five minutes of kind of explaining this to her, she picked it up right away. And quite frankly, she was kicking my butt in that first game. So uh, Age of War, a cool all-ages game. One of those easier side of games if you're looking for something a little different than those deep, deep strategy type of games. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't take a moment to chat about probably my favorite game, both on my shelf and in my digital collection. It's a game called Star Realms. Um, now, if you're 
a friend of mine or you hang out with me uh, online on Facebook or Twitter or anything like that, you've probably heard me talk about Star Realms. So yes, obviously, big fan of Star Realms. It is a, a really entertaining game to play. And for me, being a longtime sci-fi fan, it obviously fits right in that realm for me as well. Uh, I had a chance to chat briefly with one of the creators of Star Realms at Gen Con earlier this year, one of the big uh, gaming conventions, I think one of the, the biggest, if not the biggest, in the nation right here in Indianapolis in August. And I think we're going to get a chance to chat with him sometime soon in an upcoming episode, so uh, stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, let me tell you a little bit about Star Realms. It is a card-based game. Again, there is no board. It is completely card-based. And it is a deck-building game, but uh, it is not a customizable card game, so you don't have to go, you know, buy packs upon packs upon packs of cards and try to get those good cards and beat your opponent and spend more money. If you buy the base set, you have everything you need for two players to play a complete game and have infinite replayability uh, throughout pretty much uh, however long you want to play the game. So you start with a certain amount of cards. Everyone starts with 10 cards. And of those 10 cards, 8 cards are scout ships. And each scout ship gives you one trade value. And then you have two vipers. And each viper gives you one attack. Now there's a center row of five cards, and that's called the trade row. And from the trade row, you and your opponent will be able to buy new cards based upon the trade value that you get in your hand on any given turn. So each player, with the exception of the very first player to go, each player gets five cards every turn. So when you start with your ten cards, you shuffle them up and you pull five cards. So maybe you get all five scouts, so you'll have five trade. Then you look at the trade row and see what you want to buy. The cards in the trade row cost anywhere between one and eight trade, so you can buy whatever you can afford. And when you purchase cards, they go in your discard pile along with the cards that you just played. And then when your draw pile is out of cards to draw, you, your discard pile gets shuffled and becomes your new draw pile. So the cards you're buying are going to work your way into the game. Certain cards you buy will let you do a variety of different things. Certain cards give you more trade. Certain cards give you more attack. Certain cards let you draw additional cards. Certain cards let you um, scrap or permanently destroy cards out of the game. And that's important because um, the more higher price cards you buy the more that your initial starting cards of Vipers and Scouts are going to devalue your hand. They're just going to get in your way after a while. So being able to scrap cards uh, is a key piece of the puzzle to be able to get those out of your hand, which some people choose to go for. Some people don't choose to go for cards that let you scrap cards. Instead, you can get cards that let you regain authority, which is what they call health. Each player starts with 50 authority, and it is last player standing wins. So there are certain cards that will let you replenish your authority, and there is no ceiling. You can go up to 60, 70, 100 authority, however high you can get it, more power to you, because your other opponent is going to be attacking you and trying to diminish your authority. In addition to starships that you can buy, there are also outposts and bases. Outposts and bases are cards that will come into play and stay into play. They have shields on them until your opponent destroys them by um, accumulating enough attack during his or her turn 
to destroy your outpost. So outposts are good because they get in the way of, uh, you know, people dealing damage directly to you, and they can normally do something for you. Sometimes they give you, uh, you know, a little bit extra trade. Sometimes they give you a little bit extra authority. Sometimes they let you do uh, other things. Um, it's a very intriguing game. And throughout all the cards from the draw deck, there are four different factions as well. So you can see on the cards, each faction has a different color, blue, red, green, and yellow. So when you get cards of the same faction that come into your hand, and as you shuffle them in and play them, as you play cards of the same faction together in the same turn, they have added value. And it says it right there on the card. There are certain things those cards do normally, and then when you play them in tandem with an ally, there are even more things they can do. They'll let you draw extra cards, give you extra attack, things like that. So it's a really intriguing game. There are a few expansions out for it. So uh, the expansions, of course, are optional. But there are expansions that give you more starships, uh, different variety of starships, different variety of outposts. Um, there are different uh, expansions that add new mechanics to the game uh, should you desire to go that route. But it's just a very entertaining game. It's also a very well-made mobile app. The app exists on uh, the Android store on Google Play. The, the app exists on the uh, Apple store, the App Store. I do not believe it is on Steam currently. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't looked, but I don't believe it's on Steam. But the mobile app is very well done. You can download it for free and play through campaign modes to learn how to play against the computer. And then if you so desire, you can uh, buy a small one-time um, purchase that will let you go online and play multiplayer against pretty much anybody you want. As you play more online, you'll start to move up through the rankings. There's a ranking system based on your total win-loss record, things like that. And you'll see how you stack up to other players globally. You can challenge your friends. Um, you know, it's just a it's just a really cool way to to have some fun. And I do appreciate, like I said, I appreciate the mobile version because you can play the game mobile and you know play it for two three minutes and then put it down. Um, when you're playing online, you can play with someone either in a three minute mode or a three day mode. So in three day mode, that means that you have three days to make your next move, which means you do not have to be at your phone every minute waiting to play the game. That's the three minute game. If you want to sit down and play it from start to finish, you can do that. But the three day mode lets you log on, make a quick play, log back off. You're, you're done within two minutes max. So you can play it a couple times throughout the day. You can play it once or twice on lunch break. You know, um, high replayability and just just a lot of fun. So a very well-made game that Star Realms is. All right, there's a ton of other games on the, on this shelf. I've been rambling for a long time. I'm going to I'm going to plow through some of the other games. Uh, I'm just going to name them for you and then I'm going to finish up by giving you a uh, a quick overview of, of one of the most random games that I have, but one of the most randomly entertaining games. Uh, honorable mention, though, goes to these games, and hopefully we'll get a chance to chat about them in future episodes. Now, if you hear a game that I go over that you want to hear more about or that you own and you want to let us know that you enjoy playing it, swing by the Facebook page over at facebook.com slash popcultish. Come find us on Twitter and Instagram and let us know what you're enjoying, or if you have uh, experience with any of these games as well. But just a real, real quick rundown of some of the honorable mentions here that we didn't get a chance to chat about in detail. Um, there's a whole series of card games called Flux, F-L-U-X-X, -X, 
And the Flux games are one of those types of games where you just play the cards, the rules are on the cards, you play it until someone wins, and it's a really cool game. There's a lot of different varieties, variants of the games. I personally have Star Flux, an outer space theme, Zombie Flux, a zombie-based theme, and Monty Python Flux, which is really entertaining. These are like party games where you have to, um, there's a certain game in, in the Monty Python Flux where you get um, to draw a bonus card if you speak in a French accent. And you, if you can keep the accent going all the way to your next turn, you get two cards. So it's very entertaining to kind of uh, get in that kind of party mode with those flux-type games. So uh, what else? There's a, a cooperative game called Forbidden Island where all the players are playing together against the game. So that's kind of a cool, different feel if you're you know, sick of playing player-versus-player-type games. Uh, Forbidden Island is great for that. Uh, a game called Monikers. Uh, that's a, another entertaining party-type game. Pictopia is a Disney party game. It's a Disney trivia stuff. Um, two cool games made by a company called Aiello. Uh, King of Tokyo and Knight of the Grand Octopus. Those have very unique mechanics to them. King of Tokyo is dice-based, and Knight of the Grand Octopus is kind of a uh, um, hidden mechanic type of thing. Uh, we have the Lord of the Rings deck-building game, which along the uh, same lines of Star Realms uh, is kind of one of those games where you build your deck and try to uh, you know follow whatever strategy presents itself to you. Uh, another deck-building game we have is called Ascension, another very cool deck-building game. Kind of a... Um, Kind of a, a fantasy version of the deck building premise. Uh, there is Smash Up, which is another sort of deck building. It's called Shuffle Building, where you take two different factions and smash their decks together, and that's what you play as. So uh, Smash Up is cool. We'll talk more about that some other day. Um, what else? Uh, I've got a big Smash Up box and a lot of small games contained inside the Smash Up box. We have Doctor Who the card game, which is a very cool game. Uh, we have Collapse, which is a card-based game. Um, actually kickstarted locally here in Indianapolis by some folks here. Uh, we have Gloom. Uh, the cool thing about Gloom is it is a card game, but the cards are clear, and the way you play them is you stack them on top of each other, and um, it, it's a very it's a very unique dynamic. One of the one of the most unique dynamics of any card games that I have seen in a long time. So Gloom is a very cool game. Uh, the Great Dal Moody is a fun little game. Card of the Dead is a zombie based card game. You're hearing a little theme about card games here. I know. Uh, Back to the Future, the card game. This one you might have trouble tracking down. I know there's a lot of Back to the Future fans out there, but this one has actually been discontinued. I'm not sure why, because it's a really entertaining game. I was lucky enough to pick up a copy at uh, Comic Con this year. The indie, um, the Comic Con that was here in Indianapolis, the Wizard World Comic Con. Uh, someone was selling them the dis because they're discontinued. They were selling. They had like a handful of them for like ten bucks, and I was like, "Yes, I'm going to buy that," and it's amazing. So, well, let's see what else do we have. Um, we have a game called Three Little Pigs, which is again kind of like a Yahtzee dice rolling game. Uh, I play that a lot with my five year old. Uh, pretty entertaining for what it is. Uh, and what else? What have I not talked about yet? Uh, we've got the basics. We've got Risk and Trivial Pursuit, and you know. Uh, Pit. If you don't know what Pit is, you should check out Pit. It's a game, it's a card-based game, uh, and it's kind of like the stock market, where you, you hit the go bell and everybody starts yelling and you try to get people to trade cards with you, and uh, it's a really random game, but really entertaining game. So, um, that's most of the games that are over there, with the exception of the final one that I want to tell you about. It's a game called Camel Up. Now, Camel Up 
is it's hard to describe, man, but <laughs> it is when I take it to game nights at other people's houses or at various places around Indianapolis when, when we go to game meetups and things like that, uh, people have heard of it, they want to try it, and we throw it out there and we start playing it, and it almost always gets replayed right away because everybody loves it. It's one of those games that's like, this is a ridiculously entertaining game. So the premise of the game is that each of the players are spectators watching a camel race, and your job is to bet on the race and make the most money. The person with the most money at the end of the game wins. The unique dynamic about the camels and how they race is that there are five different camels. Each has a different color. There's um, white, orange, green, red, and blue, I think. Might have got one of those wrong. Anyways, five different colors, and there are five dice that go along with each camel. So each camel has one die colored in their color, and every die has the number one, the number two, and the number three on the die twice. So the camels normally move a maximum of three spaces. I believe it's 16 spaces uh, in, in the track to get around to the finish line. Now the unique dynamic about this is that all the dice live in a pyramid in the middle of the track and you can't see when you're ready to roll. You can't tell. You roll one dice at a time. One die comes out of the pyramid at a time, but you never know what color it's going to be or how far they're going to move. So that's the first dynamic is you don't know which camel is going to move when. Each camel moves once per leg, so when you've rolled all five dice, the leg is over. There's certain betting that goes on within the leg. And then there is certain betting that goes on within the overall race. You can bet for the overall winner, the overall loser, who's in last place at the end of the race. Um, but the other unique thing about Camel Up in the mechanics of the game is that when the camels occupy the same space, they actually hop on top of each other. They go up. So if the white camel is in a space and the orange camel comes up to that space and lands on that space with white, the orange camel goes on top of the white camel and now, in terms of the race, the orange camel is in the lead ahead of white. But if white moves, the camels are going to carry any camels on their back along with them. So that makes an interesting dynamic of how far a camel can really move. Because you can get a stack of three camels, four camels. We've had many, many games where the camels have been stacked five high. Um, so it's a very entertaining game. It's just... Again, in a sea of games that are heavy sci-fi and fantasy and, you know, dragons and shooting guns and blowing up zombies, this is just, it, it just, I don't want to use the word dumb, but it's it's like, it's mindless entertainment that you actually do have to pay attention to. There's a lot of strategy involved, but at its core, it's just camels racing around a track, hopping on top of each other, being goofy. So uh, I highly recommend checking out Camel Up if you're looking for a different type of game. I f bet that you'll find that you're replaying it many, many times. It is a very cool game. So, all right, that wraps it up for the first episode of probably what will be many episodes uh, devoted to games not only board games we're you know we're video game players uh, you know we enjoy all sorts of different types of games so um uh, join us again uh, in a future episode we'll talk more about games and again please share your opinion with us if you have ideas about games you like something that you might think that we'd want to talk about that we haven't yet uh things like that so so please do let us know oh my gosh before i go I completely spaced. Uh, I hopped over one game that I was going to mention specifically, and I completely forgot about it. We're going to talk about this game 
Uh, we're probably going to dedicate a whole future episode to this game. It's a game called Heroes Wanted, and it was made by Action Phase Games, which is based right here in Indianapolis. And this is a super cool game, guys. I play. I find myself playing this uh, a lot. It's very heavy into the strategy, but it's fun with superheroes, and it's got a lot of replayability due to some of the dynamics of the game. Um, I'm going to try to get the creators of the game on the podcast for a future episode with us so we can chat about this game and uh, a few other games that their company action phase has made but in the meantime feel free to check out heroes wanted again you can find it at your stores you can find it online um, there's a really cool website online if you don't know about it called boardgamegeek.com that's boardgamegeek.com you can go on and see a lot of different games you can get reviews and use your opinions about the games and all that fun stuff so um, check that out too but that does it for today. Like I said, come let us know what you're playing, what you're enjoying, what you want us to talk about. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash popcultish. Over on Twitter, we are at B-B-E popcultish. And Instagram, you can find us at popcultish. And of course, you can find us online at popcultish.com. All right, that does it for this week. We'll chat with you again very, very soon. But until then, be passionate, be proud, be Pop cultish.